as a leader and in business, there's always going to be uh, gaps between what is and what I'm trying to accomplish, what my financial goals are, my leadership goals, my maybe even my, my goals around my own well-being. So it's interesting to not shy away from seeing those gaps between what actually is now and, and what we're trying to accomplish. And there's some discomfort. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am delighted to bring you our guest today. Uh, Mark Lesser is uh, someone I know you're going to enjoy hearing from. I have gotten so much out of his book, and it's one of those that I tell you right now, we're not even going to scratch the surface. Well, we'll scratch the surface, but that's about all that we're going to get. But you're going to get so much value uh, from that, I already know. So uh, before I introduce Mark, I want to remind you listeners, if you are interested in uh, joining, uh, getting that uh, that personal time in a small group with me, uh, send me that email, david.die at letsgrowleaders.com, and I'll get you more information about that in some future episodes. All right, let's hear from Mark. Mark is a CEO, executive coach, and Zen teacher with more than 25 years of experience supporting leaders in reaching their full potential in business and in life. And prior to his business and coaching career, Mark was a resident of the San Francisco Zen Center for 10 years and director of the Tassajara Zen Mountain Center, the first Zen monastery in the Western world. And I got to say, Mark, you are the first Zen teacher that we have had on the show in 200 and plus some episodes. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Mark also leads the weekly meditation group Mill Valley Zen, which is focused on Zen teaching and practice. And uh, Mark's uh, done so many things. He's helped develop the world-renowned Search Inside Yourself program within Google, which is a mindfulness-based emotional intelligence training for leaders. And uh, he's the author of the book that I mentioned earlier, Finding Clarity. How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. So listeners, I know you know why we have Mark on the show. Clarity and compassion and accountability, topics we talk about regularly, and here we have them combined. Mark, welcome to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And um, yeah, you know, as you were, as I was taking in, you know, my bio, I, I thought, oh, you know, I'm, but I'm actually, a, I, I'm actually a real business guy too. And, uh, you know, I've started and been CEO of a couple different companies and, um, and I feel like I've, I've, I've got the scars to prove it. You know, I've, I, I started and grew a publishing company and ran it for 15 years. Mm. And, and that was coming right out of, of my 10 years at the Zen Center. Uh, wow. And, um, and that was, I learned so much, so much um, by being in that, in that CEO seat. So I have, uh, yeah, tremendous respect for what it takes, especially to, um, uh, to start, to start and grow a company, but, but, and just uh, working in, you know, leadership, leadership is a beautiful, humbling, fantastic uh, opportunity in so many ways. Boy, that it is, and and uh, such a path to our growth as human beings if we 
if we'll take that road. You know, and, and you have certainly done work with uh, a number of different organizations and leaders in addition to all of your own business leadership, then you've also helped leaders uh, in organizations of all shapes and sizes and, and uh, many names everyone would recognize. But before all of that, before Zen, before all of it, I'd like you to take us back, if you would, to your earliest memory of yourself as a leader and what that might have looked like for you. Well, it's funny that uh, I, I was really young when I was surprised that I was drawn to reading the business section of the newspaper. I worked as a kid, um, you know, door to door selling seeds, as I remember in my, my suburban neighborhood in New Jersey. Uh, I was, uh, I learned a lot about resilience working as a golf caddy uh, on, on a couple different courses. And, um, and then a little known uh, fact about my, my life is that um, uh, I got early admittance to Rutgers University. And when I uh, told my parents that, they responded with congratulations, but how are you planning to pay for it? We don't have any money. <laughs> and uh, so I learned a lot about resilience. Uh, I ended up getting a full caddy scholarship to Rutgers University. Oh my. <laughs> and and also, uh, I'll just say one other thing about an answer to your question. Uh, one of my earliest jobs was working in a hospital laundry room in New Jersey with a group of I was, you know, I was 20 years old and there were all these uh, older um, European, mostly Polish women that I was working with. And it was my first experience of culture change. I I completely with my with my playfulness and my attitude, I just completely uh, uh, transformed the culture of, of that workplace. And, and we had a lot of fun. It was it was kind of morbid. We turned it into a, a fun and playful. Um, and in fact, the I remember the boss there was a little not happy with that. We were singing and playing while we were doing the laundry. And why not? Exactly. Uh, why not? The laundry's <laughs> getting done, uh, and and maybe more effectively at that. So. Yes. So 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 yes. Many many early lessons in I think hard work, uh, resilience, and culture change. Fantastic. All right. Well, and that's a great uh, great way to get to know you just a little bit more as we dive into this book and. Uh, again, the name of the book is Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. And our guest today is Mark Lesser. And, uh, you know, listeners, I got to tell you, you know, many times you see a book and so often books will have an introduction and many, not all, but many of those introductions, eh, you can read it, not read it. Hey, you do not want to skip the introduction to Mark's book. It is I would go so far as to say probably one of the top five introductions I have read in any book of this genre. And there is, it is rich. There's so much in there and we're going to do our best not to stay in the introduction, the whole show, but there is just so much here. So powerful introduction. I encourage you listeners, don't skip this one. You're going to want to read it. Well, say more. I'm I'm really curious. What was it that uh, grabbed you about the introduction? All right. Well, there's, there's several things. So let's, and, and some good ways to introduce and get into the topic here too. So, um, so obviously, when we're talking about something like clarity, finding clarity, and then a cash, a compassionate accountability, we need to know what we're talking about. So in the introduction, you start by saying clarity 
begins with acknowledging and embodying that the world isn't always what it seems. And you use a tree as an example, and I love the metaphor. So let's start with clarity. We talk, we do talk about clarity quite a bit on the show. And, uh, uh, and with you and your client, you have a particular definition. So what does clarity mean for you, Mark? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I use the, you know, the example of a tree in that, you know, we tend to like I'm, I'm sitting right now I'm, I'm looking you know I'm looking at some trees there's some there's a few different uh, uh, pine trees and some other kinds of um, trees right outside my my window and you know but if we stop just for a moment and op open up the you know the apertures of our of our uh, senses trees are trees are amazing right we should we should all be amazed by trees uh, we should all be amazed, you know, by our breath and our bodies and, and being being alive. So there is, so to me, clarity is seeing from from many different, seeing and feeling and, and living from many different perspectives, not just not just the surface perspective, but the the perspective of the the mystery, the sacredness, the things that we can't possibly can't possibly know. And to me, that's um, super interesting and actually important as as leaders to be able again to uh, to be really good at the numbers and the spreadsheets and, and to be clear about, you know, our marketing strategies. But at the same time, to uh, to see our own humanness and the amazing humanity that is that is everywhere. So that's I I kind of define clarity as, in a way, seeing from many different uh, perspectives, um, even embracing embracing mystery, embracing paradox, right? That Absolutely. we all we we all want clar we all want clarity, but we and we tend, I think, to uh, the, there's a human tendency to narrow our focus as opposed to widen. So how can we find? How can we find clarity in both the narrow and the wide, you know, the surface and the deep? So I want to camp out there for just a second. So I think this is a, a, it's philosophical, but I think it's so important to how we approach these things. So in that metaphor of the tree, right? So you've got this continuum of ways. There's this physical solid in the trees outside my window, green object. And then there's the biological construction, it's cells and xylem and phloem and all those, those things we know. And then there's the mystery and awe and wonder. And those are just three facets we could certainly come up with if we took more time, many more. There's an extent to which when I think about clarity and I try to take that to the workplace or to my team or to the results that we're trying to achieve, and there's the mystery and wonder and awe of every human being that's on my team. And what does that even mean? You know, it's there's this, that paradox maybe, if you will, of this like physical concrete person thing work in front of me and then there's the wonder and awe and all of the things in between for me that starts to feel like whoa how do i hold all of that how do i deal with all of that and for leaders who are maybe listening right now going gosh that seems like the opposite of clarity to me and how, how do we start to embody to use your word hold all of that in ourselves as we're approaching our work mm -hmm. you know what comes up for me is is the practice of just being able to listen right so you know i can uh right one can get 
lost right in all of these you know highfalutin philosophical ideas but really if i just come back and here i am i'm i'm just listening just to listen to you right now just to stay with you, with what you're saying uh not to get lost in my own you know to i mean listening means in a way not being lost in my own thoughts uh but kind of training some training and experience in le letting go and really just taking in oh what what are what are you what are you saying uh what and then what am i what am i noticing what am i uh what am i perceiving and feeling as i'm taking in what you're what you're saying um yeah and it's interesting right the the uh the skills that we don't talk so much about as leaders or even as humans right listening to be able to focus and at the same time to be able to open right focusing and opening and 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 we do you know we we don't have to talk about them much because we all do it without any training. It's amazing, right? And and we all we all have these mirror neurons in us that we can actually feel the feelings of of others. Uh, so I think in some way it's um, you know training ourselves to become more comfortable uh, in this mix of focus and openness of uh, to become comfortable in this. You know we we have to you know this this world of uh, where we have to pay the bills and take out the garbage um, and reside and, and see our, our own and others' humanity and, connect, and connection. And I definitely want to explore that act of listening a little farther, further in uh, chapter three, you, you go into that and we'll get there. But before we, we explore and, and walk through what it means to truly listen, because as you were describing, it's so much at the, the core of this notion of compassion and accountability and having these conversations and how we're showing up for them. Well, let's talk about compassionate accountability as a concept. And we had uh, Nate Regeer on the show uh, uh, several episodes ago. You know, he's written a book lately called Compassion and Accountability. And there's this definitely this in the ether, this notion of accountability with heart, with soul that is connected and meaningful. So what do you mean by compassionate accountability and particularly this intersection of clarity with compassionate accountability. I had a really nice meeting with Nate um, a few weeks ago, and it's, it is kind of funny, the timing, right? That, that uh, right, as I was, we were both working on these books about compassionate accountability at the same time, and I haven't read his book yet, which I need, I need to, um, but I suspect there's a lot of similar and very different ideas in, in there. Um, you know, I've, as I've, in fact, I was working yesterday, having a, a conversation with a CEO and we were talking about accountability and I kept coming back to the word alignment. Hmm. And, and it's interesting, as I say in the book, people often don't like accountability. We don't like, you know, it's a, it's kind of a funny word in that, especially, you know, what comes up is being held accountable or lack of accountability. It has a bit of a edge to it, a little bit of a harshness to it, which is unfortunate, but it's interesting. The word uh, much of accountability, I think is alignment, right? Aligning around what does success look like? I mean, just that, what does success look like? Even just asking that question is something that 
I find almost leaders can almost never do enough, right? What, like, are we, are we aligned around what success looks like? And, and again, within that, it means, you know, am, am, am I, am I, uh, am I aligned with my own values, my intentions, my actions, my words? Is there an alignment within me? And are we, and are we, are we aligned? You know, are we working toward the same thing? Are we clear about what we're trying to accomplish, how we're trying to accomplish it? So that's all the accountability and alignment side. The compassionate piece is really, you know, again, what, what we were talking about earlier, it's bringing in the shared humanity, right? Bringing in that while, while we are trying to get stuff done in the business world, in the work world, uh, we also need to hold each other with a kind of care and trust and and I would say even love. The word compassion kind of includes that that trust, care, love piece. And and those can those can uh, appear as in conflict with each other. And and they sometimes are in cer- in certain ways, especially when there's conflict, when things are are rough. How do we how do we work toward that kind of alignment and at the same time keep that that care, trust, and compassion piece? Um, and I think this is one of the really beautiful things about what we, how we can grow and learn as, uh, as business people and as, and as leaders to be able to hold, hold those two, uh, th- those two practices really well at the same, at the same time. Yeah. yeah the, the leader I was talking to yesterday mentioned that, that there were going to be some changes on his team, that there were. Um, you know, he had really, really probably, uh, probably had been um, too much on the compassion side with taking care of people mm-hmm. um, and not holding, a, there has been a lack of alignment for a long time with, uh, with some, uh, some people on his team. And there were going to need to be some really difficult conversations and probably some changes. And um yeah, and that for me, you know, I've I've been through that quite a bit as a leader, like working working toward al- alignment, and um, and it's a great it's a great practice. And so much of this, as you're talking, the, this alignment and compassion and love, it it's this notion that these are at different sides of the same coin. It's the same thing, and so often we try to divorce them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even again, in this, in these conversations, you know, even in letting someone go to do that with great, um, compassion. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, or even, yeah, or even, you know, uh, making those, making those hard decisions, you know, pivoting from one strategy to another where, where there's, there's how taking in, uh, somehow, aligning or you know one's strategy but also aligning on the heart the heart work as well which which takes some real skill absolutely i i i have believed for many many years and i tried to practice this myself in my leadership roles that yes there are you know maybe uh economic types of places where you're reducing workforce size or things like that that are not about performance or anything but when you do have a, a situation where there's let's say we need to have those tough conversations or help someone 
move along in their life or career, like that can be and should be an act of love and compassion, true compassion mm -hmm. for that individual. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a, um, you know, such a obvious, important thing when bringing people in, right? Align, aligning around what, what kind of culture do we want to create? You know, what, again, this, you know, this, what does, what does success look like here yeah, absolutely. In, this, in this workplace? And yeah. And having, having those conversations and um, yeah. And it brings in all kinds of, you know, we we were talking yesterday about psychological safety came, came up like, and, and it's hard to align when people don't feel safe. So creating, creating environments, because if you don't feel safe, you, there's a way of holding, holding back and not expressing your, what you feel and think, or your, especially bring, bringing in, you know, those, uh, those doubts and conflicts get, uh, get hidden and they, and things that are hidden like that tend to grow. So part of uh, creating, creating cultures and relationships where there can be more safety and, and vulnerability. Again, it's all, if it's part of the definition of clarity. Yeah, they really do. They integrate so well. We're talking with Mark Lesser. The book is Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. And, uh, you know, Mark, as we're talking about, I, I have been a believer, a teacher, a practitioner of clarity and paired with and as aspect of, of compassionate, caring accountability for many, many years, decades even. And what I want to say for listeners and want to ask you for your insights is that despite that commitment to it, total belief in it, as a human being, I still find those moments where it is challenging for me in my own frustrations, what have you, my story, uh, everything going on. Showing up with to listen requires curiosity, requires me to get out of my own way. And sometimes that's really flipping hard to do. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, as you have pursued this practice for yourself and you help other leaders with it, what are some of the ways that, that you would recommend to listeners or to me to help us when we're in those moments to get to this place that you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I do think of um, uh, two things. One is the, uh, you know, the first chapter of my book is uh, be curious, not furious. Uh, and then the other is, is around, um, you know, uh, becoming more, See, seeing the world through story and as especially our own stories and a great you know not not the practice of um not avoiding conflict and having a toolbox and presence for skillfully working with when we're not when we're not in, in alignment um yeah being able to being able to uh start a conversation with something like, you know, the story that I'm telling myself is the fact that you were late in providing me with this report. Um, I'm, um, means that you're not so engaged in the work and, and it, and I feel disrespected. And my request is that, you know, that you, uh, that we align more. And if there's a pro and if there's a problem with timing that you, that you let me know, but there's something about 
starting that conversation with the story that I'm telling myself. Now, this isn't, you know, sometimes this, this isn't the, the path for all difficult conversations, but it is a, a, a good a good strategy to have to be able to to stay out. I mean, I think part of the issue here is that, you know, we uh, we humans are wired to stay safe and stay alive. And one of the things that happens is we go right to blame and self-protection without even being consciously aware of it. So that's that's part of this practice is it's an awareness practice and it's awareness of how uh, going going to blame that an antidote to that is to see through the world of story and to be curious about other people's stories and our and our own stories right so, so even if we're not starting the conversation with hey this is what happened this is my story of what happened we should be having a conversation with ourselves so that we're aware and have clarity if i use that word about what our own story is so that yeah. we can then make some choices about how we show up and what tools we're bringing to the conversation. Yeah, and how our uh, our stories and our and our feelings and our own identity issues all all kind of play as a as a leader, and to be able to um, not be you know uh, not be un unconsciously leaving you know uh, emotional wakes as le as leaders, which. Um, uh, and we, we sometimes can't help but leave those emotional wakes, but then to recognize it and be good at, you know, cleaning, cleaning them up and acknowledging, acknowledging, oh, I may have overreacted there, or oh, I may have underreacted there. Let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the themes that, uh, that you open with, uh, I think I'm still in the introduction here, if I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> is, is that avoidance of conflict and all the problems that it creates. And that a problem of avoidance is huge. And uh, and in some respects, I think it's also why in many businesses, many companies, you end up with um, some of those cliche, like abusive leaders in certain roles is because they don't avoid the conflict necessarily, they're avoiding something, but the way they show up for the conflict is, you know, with a, a lot of heat and energy and, and all the rest and leaving that mm -hmm. wake. What is it that when we start to sense ourselves avoiding something going, mm -hmm. okay, gosh, that's uncomfortable. I, I'm not. How do you recommend that we start to, to choose a different path to yeah. not yeah. go into avoidance? Well, you know, the, um, the only times I've ever gotten into trouble in the business world was from avoiding, avoiding conflict. And, um, and I'll even share that. I, uh, I think I might share this in my book. I was, I was, let go by the board of the company that I started. Mm. And, and, and it was clearly from there were some, uh, there are many, many issues that I, I was turning away from and I, I vowed, so I made a vow that I was not going to avoid conflict in my next leadership role. Now, that vow doesn't mean that I've, you know, had to jump in and work with every, uh, every time there was a, a conflict, but it meant to be aware and make and make to be much more aware and make decisions. Is this something? Okay, I'm. And it's interesting. I think we it so much of it. It starts with just feeling it, right? I, there's something. There's a disconnect here. There's something. There's we're not we're not in alignment here. Or uh, he did what? Or she said what? Like and so there's often just a just a little 
a little pinch of an ouch or, and to pay attention to that, like, huh, there's something, this was, um, uh, I wonder, I, and, and how, how that little, that feeling that ouch turns into story uh, and, and often will turn right into action if we're not careful. So it's, again, it starts, I think, with, um, with awareness of, of what we're feeling and those conflicts. And then having, having, you know, it takes ongoing skill and trust and presence to then work, work skillfully with, with them to have those, uh, to have those difficult conversations. Um, one of the things, uh, I, I, I often have what I call the no festering rule in, in work. <laughs> Right. That, I love that. Yeah. That that you know there is some there is some something that's an ouch or a surprise and like th there may be a uh, I my tendency I'm my tendency might be to oh like man I don't I don't want to go it feel anything that feels dangerous it's like oh that that's a place that needs some attention and, and exploration. Yeah. Um, you know, can we can you know even uh, can we talk about it? Uh, how how are we doing? Is um, yeah, uh, I I felt uh, I felt not seen or pushed aside there, and the story I'm telling myself or or whatever whatever that is. So I had a Google scientist friend who often said, uh, "We we are descendants of the nervous apes, we humans. That we uh, that we are well." Uh, we're really good at scanning for threats and and we are and and scanning externally and internally right you, you know like we all we all have that inner that inner scanner that inner judge going and and again it's um being at work in leadership it's it's great it's a great cauldron for getting to know ourselves and and building building those more healthy healthy ways of uh you know, not not overreacting or underreacting, and it truly is a, a, a to become skillful always requires practice, and this is a practice uh, of of doing this work. One of the metaphors that you use um, throughout the book, you introduce in chapter one, is uh, Homer, Buddha, and Alice, Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> and uh, I thought this was a fun three characters that most people know in some even tangentially at least a little bit, and uh, these different aspects of how we show up in in our the consciousness that we're bringing and so can you walk us through homer buddha and alice in wonderland and how we can become aware and use those uh be aware of those concepts to help us with compassion and accountability <laughs> i have to say this is one of the you know things that i love about the process of writing in that th these it totally surprised me and i think it's it started with you know my own struggles in writing and work and relationships and I, I found myself uh, mirroring one of my favorite lines about Homer Simpson when he says, why does everything have to be so hard? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and to me, that, uh, that expression points to my own, you know, inner victim or the part, the part of me that feels like, like, yeah, like, why is everything, why is everything so hard? And, and as I as I was writing those lines and feeling my own inner Homer Simpson, I thought, oh, the, the you know the historical Buddha had a lot lot to say about why everything is so hard. It's like yes, everything is hard, and 
our our job as humans is to not not shy away from the difficulties anxieties the difficult you know uh, the the suffering of the world but to learn how to transform that into uh into freedom into possibility even into satisfaction and happiness this is the kind of core you know buddhist philosophy is transforming challenges and difficulty into uh into more satisfaction and equanimity and possibility and then um alice in wonderland showed up like well how how do you do that what's the core practice and it's like you know and she says you know curiouser and curiouser and it's like oh okay she this is the this is the response to homer buddha and now there's alice just keep coming back to uh, practicing curiosity and and seeing the world through fresh open you know practicing she's a great example of beginner's mind or not making not making assumptions not being caught by our assumptions and yeah so it was fun that those characters played uh on, ongoing role throughout throughout the book all right homer buddha and alice in wonderland <laughs> so we're going to take a, a we're going to dive deeper down if i go with the rabbit hole here because we're talking about alice right so we're talking with Mark Lesser. The book is Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. And uh, I want to call back to something that you said a moment ago, and with these characters, and then with uh, listening, and bringing all of this together in in uh, one one big question. So <laughs> go with me for, for just a moment here. So you mentioned earlier about our desire for safety. And the, and in the book, you talk about how that can interfere with clarity. So I actually want to read from the book here for just a second. You said the tendency of scanning for threats leads to a strong inner critic. I know that one. We often are, we're often scanning for threats internally, asking, am I safe? Am I okay? What did I do wrong? What might go wrong? And again, like you said, this is an effective strategy for staying safe and staying alive, but not so good for seeing our world with more clarity. So then we go into um, conversations, accountability conversations, or conversations where we're feeling out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And you call, well, you talk about becoming comfortable with discomfort. Mm -hmm. When I think of Alice in Wonderland, horribly uncomfortable. Even as a child, I was like, oh, this crazy world she's entered. And, uh, and that scanning for safety in this world that with everything's unknown and you've got crazy cats and threats everywhere. And I don't know if I'm going to grow or shrink or what's going to happen. There's a, there's a particular approach to how we show and for leaders, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, we hear this become comfortable with discomfort in conversations around uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and, mm -hmm. um, and creating a more inclusive workplace. And there's just so many aspects of this vitally important ability to become comfortable with discomfort. Mm -hmm. It is such a critical skill. And you talk about it in some ways that I think are really important and unique. So I want to put that on the table. I know that's a long preamble to the question, but Mark, as you think about becoming comfortable with discomfort and dealing with this human tendency we have to scan for safety. And yet yeah. this is where we how do we show up? What do we do? How yeah. practically, how do we start to, to manifest some of that? One of the chapters is called mind the gaps. And so th there's uh, one way to respond to that question is that in, in, as a leader and in business, 
there's always going to be uh, gaps between what is and what I'm trying to accomplish, what my financial goals are, my leadership goals, my maybe even my, my goals around my own well-being. Um, so it's interesting to not shy away from seeing those gaps between what actually is now and, and what we're trying to accomplish. And, and there's some discomfort in, in staying even, even with those. So I'm kind of taking on what I think of the very sort of practical nuts and bolts business leadership gaps. Uh, and which is a good, which is actually kind of a good place to start, right? So like, it's good to start with, so this practice of becoming more comfortable with discomfort, start in ways that are relatively easy. You were taking on the harder, the harder ones of the, whoa, like, what is this, you know, what is there to hold on to? Um, and, and I think, um, you know, I, I clearly, I'll admit my own uh, strong bias that I have toward the importance of having a meditation practice. And, and I think more and more we're seeing um, meditation and mindfulness being taught in MBA programs and leadership programs. And I think it's helpful to have a practice where we can step out of the stream of the, the busyness, the challenges, all of the, the noise of our, of our everyday world and practice with um, feeling, you know, finding, finding a sense of comfort right in the midst of the discomfort, right? So our, you know, we can't stop our thinking, right? And like, and we need to, like, how can we become comfortable in letting go of any idea that we're going to stop our thinking or the stream of our consciousness? Uh, so with training ourselves that with every exhale, a sense of letting, letting go and, and feeling a sense of safety, right? Feeling, what does it feel like to be safe and satisfied and connected? Training ourselves to feel, to feel those, those are such three, I think, um, important qualities, safety, yeah, safety, satisfaction, and connection. And um, as a, you know, and to be, cultivating that in ourselves and in our relationships and in our in, in you know and again it means it means noticing when we don't feel safe it means noticing when we don't feel satisfied it means noticing when we don't feel connected but this is our practice this is our this is our uh, aspiration and and i can think we, it's I helpful wanna, can we pause there for just a second mark of because course. we so often talk about the first person you have to lead is yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is such a, a practical way of what that looks like. And what you're talking about is cultivating those three attributes for ourselves before we can show up and deal with yeah. all of the world the way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting if you notice, uh, I mean, anytime I'm with a, a leader or walk into a business, I'm I'm wondering, does this does this person, how, how safe, satisfied, and connected is this is this person? And it's interesting. All all three of those qualities, uh, safety is a safety means you know becoming uh, comfortable in your own in your own skin, right? Becoming more and more comfortable with yourself. Uh, 
satisfaction is a super interesting one in the business world. You know, when people hear that, they're like, oh, no, I, um, if, I, if I'm satisfied, then how am I going to get stuff done? How am I going to? No, it's like, it's, it's the sense of uh, you don't want to, as a leader, lead with frustration and anxiety. It does not, it just does not work well. You, you, you want to lead with, you know, a sense of, uh, again, this is, can I be satisfied and have strong goals and aspirations? I can be satisfied and work with a sense of urgency. Uh, and, and also just um, connection, right? Building, you know, on many, many levels, right? Uh, being connected with our common humanity, wanting the best, wanting the best for the people that I work with, uh, being, being generous, being wholehearted. Um, again, so these are all, I think, uh, essential and powerful, uh, you know, leadership practices and just human practices. Human practices. And I, you asked me earlier, what, what was it I loved about the introduction? Well, there's so much rich content, but one of the messages that comes through loud and clear is, that this work that we're talking about doing, it really is, it's becoming the fullest version of ourselves as a human being and, yeah. and that actualization and, and all of it. And it's, you know, for those who choose leadership, it's a path that provides those opportunities for us mm -hmm. if we'll take them. Yeah. And we're all leaders, right? I mean, of course, there's the particular roles that we have, but whether we're on a team or in our you know, we all have to lead our own lives. We're all influencers. Absolutely. Um, all right, so much more to get into here, Mark. Before we go any farther though, <laughs> I want to uh, make sure that uh, we uh, let listeners know where to connect with you again. Uh, Mark Lesser, L-E-S-S-E-R, and the book is Finding Clarity, How Compassion and Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. So Mark, listeners are listening and going, okay, yes, I need more. Where do we connect with you? Find out more about the book. Where should we go? Yeah, my website, uh, marklesser.net, M-A-R-C-L-E-S-S-E-R.net. Um, there's lots of... Um, uh, my my writing, uh, med some meditations. Uh, I have a, a Zen Bones podcast that I've been that I've been doing. Um, yeah, that's the place where to go. Fantastic. All right. I hope listeners hope that you will take advantage of this, and uh, you definitely want to pick up this book. And this is one you're not going to just read through in uh, an airplane ride. You're going to have to sit and really digest and reflect and think and apply, most importantly, uh, these principles. So we've been talking about leading yourself and how you get comfortable showing up uh, uh, in areas of discomfort as a leader, as a human being. And that starts by leading yourself and cultivating safety, satisfaction, and connectedness. So one of the, the uh, elements in this uh, aspect of the stretch zone and becoming comfortable with discomfort mm -hmm. that you talk about is identifying some of our mistaken beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was so powerful. Uh, it reminded me, I had a bumper sticker uh, many, many years ago. It said, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure it came out of uh, something somewhere in the past, but um, this core competency of being able to know your mistaken beliefs and what's driving you as a leader mm -hmm. to be able to identify them and make some different choices. But you actually talk about one of yours um, around your need for comfort that I thought was really powerful. So can you talk with us about some of the mistaken beliefs that drive us and what we do with those? Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, I, I do 
at, give uh, attribution that I borrowed these from the Enneagram. And if um, uh, some people may or may, you may not be familiar with, it's a it's a we personality a, personality yeah, system. Had an episode on the Enneagram with a, a pro Enneagram person. Just I don't know, four or five or seven episodes back. So listeners can go back and check that out. What's interesting about the system is that it starts it starts with that we we all somehow have some a, a core mistaken belief that that forms in us when we're really really young, and that our our personalities and the way that we process information. Uh, comes out of those mistaken beliefs, and and again, you know, we we all not only do we uh, are we wired to uh, to stay alive, we also are wired to be loved, right? That we want to be we we want to be loved and and accepted, and we all, you know, uh, develop certain beliefs that are quite quite deep within us. And I say for me, um, yeah, my my own. I think my my own need for uh, comfort and to uh, avoid stress w was one of the ways that I noticed I was easily um, not working skillfully with with conflict, and that I needed to to see to see that belief. But people might have, you know, other be the belief that you're judged by what you accomplish and not who you are. Or, or the belief that you, um, you know, that the world is unjust and you need to be the person who makes things right. Uh, and, and we all, you know, it, it's interesting um, on, on a broad way, but also I think in a more, uh, more particular way of uh, within in relationships, uh, in conversation, being, again, it's a lot like coming back to um, being curious about our own thinking, being curious about our stories, which our stories and and what we uh, what we value and and believe, and to yeah, to be open and curious about ourselves and and what other people are. You know, I I often think we make we make the mistake of thinking that um, every you know we're so different. I think that it's almost as though we all live on our own planet. And the problem we have is that we assume everyone lives on our planet. And if they don't, we want to bring them over to live on our planet. Um, so, and it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't go so well. Uh, you know, we have to be willing to be, to notice how, how other people uh, think and process information. Absolutely. So let's, let's bring all of this home to an accountability conversation. So I, I was just, as, as you were yesterday, I was talking with a leader who uh, was sharing uh, some of her managers are very people focused, very, uh, as you said, maybe have on the continuum of, are investing so much in the care of their people that they're lacking in some of the uh, compassionate accountability aspects of things. So we're, we're going into this conversation. We've been doing a lot of work just walking through our conversation so far with uh, self-awareness, what we're doing, identifying our own stories, our own beliefs, uh, and making conscious decisions about those so that we can show up with genuine curiosity, truly listen, as you're mentioning earlier. And 
I know somebody's listening now going, okay, yeah, but I got to get this work done and it's not happening. And so we're okay. Now, now I've come into this conversation and I want to genuinely listen. I know I need to show up with curiosity, but doggone it, I got to get this work done. Mm -hmm. So walk us through how we synthesize all this in the moment where we're actually asking the question, hey, this didn't happen. We're out of alignment here. I'm noticing this and what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's the, um, uh, you know, th there's a few different models for how to have these. These are what I think of as alignment conversations or genuine conversations. And yeah, so if, if you're, um, you know, especially if you're in the role of a, of a leader, right? And there's something you, you have, you have a need, you have an expectation. So I think it starts by, by saying what, what you observe, right? Uh, these, uh, these tasks, these projects, um, they're, they're not being done the way that I thought we agreed they were going to get done. Um, and, and just starting out with the, the content, the story, the storyline, um, and then, and then being curious about, you know, even from there, did this other person have a different story, a different understanding? So starting with aligning around stories, but then beyond that, there's, there's often feelings involved. There may be, um, and, and then ultimately I think there's going to be, we, we need to align. Um, I, I have a request. My request, my request is, uh, that, uh, here's what I would like to see happen. Uh, it looks like this. It feels like this by this date. Uh, you know, uh, what, what, what's needed? What, do, you know, what, what support, what resources do you need in order to accomplish that? And again, these, you know, these are the ongoing conversations that are having in workplaces all, all, all over the world. These, these, these alignment, but there, but there are what I think of as very healthy, conversations but it but it requires i think the these underlying practices around uh around safety satisfaction and connect it's hard to th those conversations are not going to go so well if you don't feel safe right if you're like this person's not really does this person really care about me are they really are they really listening um where it gets really hard is um, you know, like, oh, I, I just don't, I just don't have the resources to do this. Um, I, I thought you were going to hire more people. I thought you were as like, oh, okay, we have, we, we need to have, you know, it's, uh, how do we get things done in, and, uh, in a world where there, uh, where we have differing stories, where there are tensions around money, resources, measurements, uh, we, okay, we've got, you know, we've got to work it, we've got to find a way, we've got to find a way to get aligned here, even when there's some pretty big gaps. And moving forward to the end of those conversations where we can't reach alignment, mm -hmm. uh, or it, 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 what does that look like from your perspective? Uh, in the workplace, in the business world, certainly it happens. Uh, and you've experienced it. We've all experienced it. How do we transition? How do we work through that gracefully and with compassion? Yeah, it's very contextual, obviously. You know, I think um, sometimes, sometimes it's about um, uh, 
being willing to be uncomfortable even when there's a lack of alignment. Sometimes we um, have to try things. I mean, I even think of, um, uh, I was, uh, uh, when I was CEO of my last company, you know, I had a, um, a product development team that, uh, that scheduled um, long stretches of time for uh, developing a product that we were working on. And my first reaction was, we can't, we can't spend all that time, like, we can't do that. We have too many other things. And the, the woman who, who was the head of um, that project said, trust me on this, it will, um, we need, in order to develop the kind of program and product that we're trying to, we need to lock ourselves in a room for those, you know, those three days or those four days. And she was, and I, I had my own story, my own resistance, but I, I trusted her and she was absolutely right. And that, that, you know, that I had to let go of, as the CEO, I had to let go of my idea and, and trust and saw like, wow, yes, um, uh, we, this needed, this needed that, that time. Uh, so that's, you know, that was an example of, you know, so sometimes as leaders, you know, it's decide, you know, it's, it's deciding, you know, do, do I, when, when do I need to stay with what I think is the right way? And when do I trust, you know, someone who I've brought in as a, as another leader? And there's no right, there's no right answer there. Uh, we have to look, look at the various stories and make decisions and see what happens. And that's where it comes full circle back to the intersection of clarity, because the reason you could trust her when she says, trust me, is because from the context of the conversation, you had both taken the time to establish the clarity about what success looked like, and you were working from the same end goal. That's right. That's right. I knew, like, yes, the, we, this was, uh, we needed to develop this product, and yeah, and and then there's the time and resources, you know, and and um, and you 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 make those decisions and you try things and you you learn and you see what see what happens. All right, we've been talking with Mark Lesser. The book is Finding Clarity: How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. And Mark, we are sadly out of time. I, I could continue this discussion for many more hours, and uh, I know it would be valuable, but you have put it in a book for all of us. And so I so encourage everyone to go and get a copy of Finding Clarity and know that you're going to benefit from it. And I just want to share as we wrap up uh, a final um, quote, not the final quote in the book, but from early in the book, but I just loved this. So I want to close with this. Mark, you say a good dose of awe and wonder combined with a growth mindset and the courage to explore may be our most important tools when it comes to all of this. Thank you very much, David. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, talking and I so appreciate all of your wisdom. Uh, so listeners, looking for a place to start? Mark has given us the roadmap. Start with yourself, cultivating your own safety, satisfaction, and connectedness. And be the leader you'd want your boss to be.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.